Hello, I'm Jeffrey Mishlove, and my topic today is your karmic bank account. This is, to a large degree, going to be a follow-up from yesterday's In Presence segment on the uh, biblical phrase, resist not evil, turn the other cheek. How are we to address the evil that confronts us in our lifetime? And one way to begin to think about that problem, and I admitted in the previous section that there's a paradox that I don't know necessarily how to resolve, but we can begin to think about it in terms of the principle of karma. The principle of karma implies, of course, that the universe is just, that all good deeds will be rewarded ultimately and all bad deeds will be punished. And pretty much that's the basis of many, but not all, religious traditions. I'm showing you right now a graphic of uh, a Chinese vision of the afterlife, and you can see uh, right in the the middle there, people who have been cruel to animals are being punished in the afterlife by being forced to carry animals on their shoulders. And uh, the notion of this vision of the afterlife is that your next lifetime or your destiny in what we could call the bardo planes, the afterlife dimensions, is going to be based on a judgment of how you lived your life in this lifetime. Now, those are dangerous notions in some ways, because if we believe that the universe is always just, then maybe there's no need to struggle so hard against injustice. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's part of the lesson of resist not evil. Another thing we learn from our study of reincarnation cases is that the principle of karma, as we think of it in the sense of cosmic justice, doesn't seem to show up. There have been some 2,500 cases researched by investigators, mostly at the University of Virginia, and James G. Matlock uh, has, I've done a number of interviews with him. I'm linking to one of them right now having to do with the concept of karma. But the, the principle seems to be that what happens from lifetime to lifetime based on actual researched cases is more a question of the continuity of psychological expectations and beliefs rather than uh, cosmic justice at all. We don't see examples of people who were bad in one lifetime having to suffer for it in the next in some sort of a poetic way. So perhaps the words of Dr. Martin Luther King are true in this sense that the moral arc of the universe is long that we don't see instant karma in these cases. Although, frankly, our sample of some 2,500 cases is still relatively small in the large-scale picture of a, a planet with billions of people living on it. But there's other research data which I think is relevant here, and it comes from the study of near-death experiences where it has often been reported and was reported in uh, my interview with uh, Barbara Harris Whitfield about her near-death experiences in particular. And she may in fact be the model case for this because she worked closely with Dr. Kenneth Ring and he reports on it in his books. And that is the idea of the past life review. 
And as Barbara put it so succinctly, in the near-death state, time is quite different. So in a matter of moments in actual physical earth time, she experienced her entire lifetime moment by moment, instant by instant, in great vividness, as if she was reliving her entire life. But the key is not only did she relive her own life, her own experiences, she was able to experience all of the joy and happiness that she caused other people. And she was able to experience all of the pain that other people suffered as a consequence of her behavior. So you could say, if you had to experience all of the pain that you ever caused other people, even if it happens in an instant in earth time, isn't that a form of karmic justice? All the pain that you inflict, you will receive. All the joy and happiness that you give to other people, that you facilitate or catalyze for other people, you will receive as well. And it can happen in just an instant. It's not related to reincarnation necessarily at all. Now, it sounds rather metaphysical, and for some people it may even sound fanciful, but this is the data that is reported in near-death experiences. There's another way to think of karma as well. And I did refer earlier to your karmic bank account. And, you know, uh, it has been said by some people that I am the incarnation of William James. And I don't accept it. I reject that idea. And <laughs> as one researcher who promoted the idea said, well, William James would have rejected it too. And I think that's, that's also true. But sometimes I think about it this way, because I'd like to think I was the incarnation of William James. He's, he's my hero. But how could it be that a man of such brilliance would be incarnated as, as, as somebody such as myself, because frankly, I think I'm a bright person, but not at the level of William James. And yet, William James was a sickly man, and I haven't suffered from the kinds of pains that he's ever had to suffer from. So it occurred to me, well, if I were William James trying to choose my next lifetime, I might decide to choose somebody who was better looking and healthier than he was, and maybe who had the same interests, wanted to carry forward a psychical research, parapsychology, philosophy, psychology interests, but could be a happier person. Well, <laughs> so maybe... If, if we each have a karmic bank account that we can use to determine how our next life will be, and we might have to sacrifice a certain amount of like intellectual brilliance in order to have certain other qualities, maybe it would work out. Maybe in that sense, I might have been William James, but that's, I have to assure you that's sheer speculation on, on my part. But let me take it a little deeper because I also want to bring up Ted Owens, the fellow I studied for 10 years who seemed to possess amazing psychokinetic and precognitive abilities. And I mentioned that I took his training program, the details of which are presented in my book, The PK Man. And there's one exercise, a very brief one, Ted Owens calls it nature's bank account. 
And he says this. He says that nature has an infinite supply of happiness in its bank account, and we can withdraw from that bank as much as we want. We can borrow all the happiness we wish for, but we have to pay it back with interest. That means we have to spend our lives making other people happy, bringing happiness into the lives of others. And I referred to this a little bit in a previous In Presence segment called Pay It Forward. In a way, my creation of these videos is, is my small effort to bring some degree of happiness and joy into the lives of, of other people. And many viewers have commented that uh, it's been of great benefit to them. And, and that's my gratification to know that that is true. But Ted Owens makes another point in that exercise. And he says, you can pay back the happiness that you borrow even faster when you do acts of kindness for people who are your enemies. This is the key point, and it relates to that question of, should I resist evil or should I turn the other cheek? To the extent that you can send healing energy, to the extent that you can wish for the best for people, for example, I, as I've mentioned, I'm a liberal Democrat. In many ways, I think of the president of the United States as an enemy, a man who is damaging this country. But frankly, according to this principle, my best strategy is to wish for Donald Trump healing. My best strategy is to wish and hope and send Donald Trump intentions that he should become enlightened that he should be uh, able to amend, make amends for all the damage that he's done and redeem himself and become a much better person to send healing and love to my enemies and as well as to do acts of kindness. And I'm not yet ready to donate money to the Trump campaign, but that's the point. And it's a point well taken because I have to say this, for all of my political attitudes that I have held in my life, I regard them as superficial compared to the deeper psychological and spiritual threads of this discussion. Uh, one of my intellectual heroes, Pitaram Sorokin, about whom I've, I've talked in a previous In Present segment, used to say that the nationalists, the communists, the socialists, the um, various authoritarian people, he called them the clowns of the political circus, or I should say the clowns of the historical circus, that politics is very small in comparison to the large metaphysical, cultural issues, spiritual issues that we face. And I hope that those of you who are watching right now who differ from me in my politics will understand that I believe this to be the case as well. There are many deeper things that bind us together other than our politics, which is a good reason therefore to consider sending love and healing energy and kindness and all good wishes to those people who you consider your enemies. You may find that uh, if Ted Owens is correct, and I think he was onto an awful lot of things, that's the best way to 
grow spiritually, to put money back into your karmic bank account, and probably to allow your better angels to manifest themselves. So let me leave you with this thought. Who do you consider your enemies and what can you do to send them positive thoughts of healing and well-being and blessing? Can you bless your enemies? And what would that mean for you? Thank you for being with me.